Hello and welcome to Pensions in 10. My name is David Brooks. I'm joined again by my colleague Simon Q for our rundown of what's hot in pensions at the moment. This week we discuss discretionary increases and BP and KPMG. We look at pensions and tension and Timmy Mallet. And then finally we look at a retired teacher and her troubles with the teacher's pension scheme. Well, David, it appears discretionary increases are back in the news for a couple of reasons. Um, what, what have we spotted? Yeah, so there's two uh, pension schemes and two groups of uh, pensioners, pension action groups for, for both employers, BP and uh, KPMG, where for various reasons, uh, the pensioners believe they should be getting some discretionary increases on their pensions in payment. So we're dealing with pensioners and how they feel that the cost of living has impacted on their income in real terms. And because both those pension schemes seem to have some kind of surplus, it was difficult to from public information always to, to to gauge it completely, but the BP seems to have a healthy funding surplus. The KPMG seems to have just tipped into surplus. And so trustees are being asked to consider if the powers allow them to give some discretionary increases to some people. And then it's very common in these rules that it gets kicked to the employer who ultimately meets the cost of these things to decide whether they want to award it. And I think in both cases, the employer has said, no dice, we are not gonna do that. Um, I think I have some sympathy with the employers. You know, funding has been very volatile over the last 10, 15 years, and there's been hundreds of millions, perhaps even billions in the case of BP, ploughed into their, their pension scheme. And so I can understand their reticence, but the pensioners have raised questions, and I think the pensions minister might be getting involved. I don't know if you picked it up from the select committee the other day, Simon. Yeah, I mean, evidence was provided by the uh, the BP Pensions Action Group um, to the Work Pensions Select Committee. The Pensions Minister, Paul Maynard, has said that he will look into it. Uh, quite what that means, I don't know. Um, there's a hole in the road uh, outside my house and workmen are looking into that and nothing <laughs> seems to be happening. So um, it, it's, a, it's a tricky subject, right? It's, it's emotive because you're talking about people that may um, be really struggling financially. So you can understand why they may look to the pension scheme to provide a discretionary increase to make life a little easier for them, particularly when they see a huge surplus in there. And, and I think the figure that I saw in the press was something like six billion uh, for BP. That may or may not be correct. As you rightly caveated, it's difficult to get to the, the exact figure just from a sort of cursory look this morning. But either way, it's a sizable amount of money. So the pension action group's looking at that and, and saying, look, can we have a bit of that? Um, the employer will be looking at it and saying, well, look, it's discretionary, so we don't have to do it. Um, it's not mandated. It's not in the trustee rules. It's not part of the scheme. So actually, no, we don't want to do that at the moment. Mm. Um, and it could be quite easy to vilify the, the employer for not doing that. But quite frankly, any CEO is going to be reluctant to say, no, I've got this massive volatile liability. It might be in surplus now. It might not be. I might not be able to get that surplus. Um, mm. So why would I why would I put more money in or why would I use it? I, I, why would they do it? Why would the CEO pay in more? So it's it's really difficult to find the middle ground here. And we've seen it before. And then BA um, was a case in point um, where we've we've seen pretty much exactly the same thing. Trustees wanted to make a, a payment and the, the sponsor overruled it. And that went into a lengthy court case. And the only people that win out of a lengthy court case generally are the lawyers. So if that could be avoided and if the minister is able to, I don't know, cajole um, or try and find some middle ground that that is is acceptable to both uh, both parties 
that's not a, a bad thing. That might be where we get to on this. Mm. Um, but again, an employer is probably thinking, if I make a payment now, uh, am I setting a precedent? Will I be expected to do that next year? Um, it's it's such a tricky thing to do. Yeah. And, and we've spoken before about um, trap surpluses and the rumours that this discussion around productive finance, I don't know how many minutes are, uh, we are in, Dave, before I've mentioned productive <laughs> finance again. Um, it was going to come up. It was always going to come up. Um, but there's talk about allowing sponsors uh, an easier route to accessing a surplus to encourage them to run a scheme on and invest in productive finance. But until such time as it is easier for a sponsor to get the cash, and this is this is not again a simple thing because who who do, who does the surplus belong to mm. now, the employers probably put the bulk of it in but members have put uh, money in um there, there might be um other um top-ups that, that members have put in uh, over the years so then you've got the debate uh, who owns the surplus uh, my, my gut feeling is the 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 sponsor has put the, the bulk of the money in the sponsor's underwritten the promise um but it's it's just not an easy one dave no Oh, I mean, people have tried. People have tried to do some good. They've they've topped up some means-tested ways and those on lower incomes, but that seems to have not placated the the pensioner group. So, as you say, this is going to going to run, I think, for a long time. I mean, I did think that within with inflation dropping, I know it's still rising by four percent, but you know, the actual rate of inflation, you know, dropping a little, that this argument may fall away. But I think I might be wrong. I think this is going to this this conversation is going to stick around for a good few years yet. Yeah. Thank you, right, Dave. Apparently, Dave, paying your pension some attention is back in the news. What have what have you been seeing lately? Well, it's good news. Now, I must admit, I can be a little bit sniffy, cynical, maybe even sceptical of some of the campaigns that the government have launched in the past to publicise pensions and get it up people's um, agendas and something. Don't they mention working. Don't, don't well, I was going to, but I won't now, obviously, because you asked me not to. Um, we had Big Zoo um, is rap um, a couple of years ago. That was mentioned on Would I Lie to You at the weekend, if anybody watched that. I have issues with the way he played the game, but I haven't got time. Um, but the, 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 the most recent uh, attempt was Timmy Mallet. Those of you of a certain age might remember Timmy Mallet from Wackaday with his large foam mallet hitting people over the head well he was the latest launch of pensions attention i wasn't hopeful but apparently he had great cut through across all the socials tiktok instagram facebook twitter um with around one in four people um recognizing the campaign 85 percent of those um acting on it uh 51 of those looking at their pensions account 44 consulting and discussing with family and 40 percent finding out further information now, I think any numbers like that, that has to be a success. They've kind of extrapolated to 3.5 million people were inspired to pay their pension some attention. If that is the case, well, then I eat my hat. Fantastic. I think that's great, great news. You know, that's the best we can hope for, I think, in these kind of campaigns, that people do actually just sit down for five minutes and think about their pension. No, I agree, Dave. I hope you're not going to eat, eat the hat that you were wearing on our Christmas episode, because that would be uh, yeah. quite painful to watch. But yes. Yeah, we won't record but no, it, I'll just tell you. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I, I am quite cynical about these things. I did think Timmy Mallet, that's going to be fairly niche. Mm. Um, and those figures are very impressive. They don't add up to 100 percent. So there's obviously some people that are doing one or all three. Um, but that's that's it's still a great thing. Right. If uh, yeah. if three and a half million people are engaging with their pension, whereas otherwise they might not, then that is a massive positive. Yeah. And I think just I wonder who they're going to go for next. We have Big Zoo is probably aimed at sort of the younger end. I would say most people probably are in there, you know, the under 30, I suppose, market. And Timmy's obviously more probably the plus 50s, late 40s, plus 50s. If you, you know, if you remember him, you're probably of that that age. I don't know whether they go for more of the same, more of him. Is that the right age to target? Are we being too optimistic by, for big zoo targeting the younger people? I don't know. It'd be interesting to see who they go for next. It does seem to be an annual thing these days that they they find a celeb and, and, and push this. So it would be interesting to see what they go for next. Mm, well, the direction of travel, it may be Dame Vera Lynn, you never know. <laughs> oh, the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. The words of a retired teacher to the teacher's pension scheme, Simon, tell us more. Yes, and we all thought it was Mark Twain. Uh, but he, it's been reported in The Guardian that uh, a retired teacher has had her pension payments stopped four times because her pension provider repeatedly refused to accept that she's not dead. Uh, and it's a lady called Eileen McGrath, who's 85. She was left without income over Christmas uh, when the teacher's pension, uh, which administers the, the payments on behalf of the UK government, wrongly matched her with a deceased stranger. Uh, so there's obviously some sort of conflation um, in their programming that uh, associated someone that I had, had unfortunately passed away with uh, Eileen McGrath. Uh, she said, in November, I received two letters from Teachers Pension asking me euphemistically if I was dead, she said. I immediately called to make it clear that I was very much alive. Nevertheless, a week later, two more letters arrived asking the same thing. So I wrote back to reiterate that I had still not died. Uh, she, she then went further to say, fortunately, I have enough money in my savings account to weather these incidents, but I'm sure that's not the case for everyone. Besides which, it's unpleasant and distressing to be told periodically that they think you're dead. And whilst there is a, an element of, of humour to that, and I think Eileen McGrath, he's actually taking it with an element of, of humour. It is distressing and it could be really upsetting to people. And we've spoken before about uh, comms. We've we spoke to Chloe Taylor from Quiet Room in our broadcast um, about member comms and getting it right, and getting it right first time. Um, and, and here's a, a classic case of just administration getting it wrong mm. and could cause serious upset, financial upset, but also emotional upset as well to someone who's, who's perhaps more vulnerable or could be more vulnerable. So mm. there's, there's a really serious point to this, albeit uh, the, the article being written in a, a relatively amusing way. Mm. Well, that's it, folks. It's another week of Pensions in 10 with Dave Brooks and myself. Thank you so much for watching or indeed listening, because now we're available on all of your favourite podcast providers, Spotify, the Apple one, and I'm sure there's plenty of others as well. So we're, we're, as Terry Wogan used to say, we're all good bookshops and quite a few bad ones as well. So do listen to us uh, in, in your cars or at your leisure, and we'll see you again next week. Take care, everyone.